The word of God that we read and to which we direct our attention this evening is Psalm 139. Psalm 139, Psalm of David, and we'll read the whole of this passage of Scripture. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and have not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred, I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As far we read the word of God, may God bless unto us the reading of his holy and inspired word. Consider now together verses 17 and 18 of this psalm. Read those verses again. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, 
I am still with thee. The psalm, beloved, is really a very remarkable psalm of David, a remarkable psalm of faith, which David composed, and which the children of Israel sang, and which the Church of Christ has been singing ever since. A remarkable psalm because David mentions in this psalm three crucial and profound truths concerning God. First of all, he mentions in verses one through five the fact that God is omniscient. God knows everything. There is nothing that is not known to him. And then secondly, he mentions in verses 7 through 12 that God is an omnipresent God. He is everywhere. There is nowhere in the universe where God is not. And then thirdly, David mentions in this psalm that God is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. Mentioning that in verses 13 through 16 of this psalm. The all-powerful God who has used his power to create life, to create every life that is here, and to begin that in our mother's wombs. But what is significant, beloved, is that David does not speak abstractly about these things, but very personally. He confesses this in his confession of God being an all-knowing God. He confesses, the all-knowing God knows me. And the all-knowing God knows everything about me. Every detail about my life. There is nothing that is hid from him. And then concerning God being the everywhere present God, David confesses the everywhere present God is with me in this life and in this world. Wherever I go, he is there. He is always at my side, always. And concerning God being the all-powerful God, David confesses God is the God who has used his power upon me, beginning with my creation by him in my mother's womb. I was fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And as David ponders those things, and as David considers those truths concerning God in a very personal way in this psalm, then he says concerning them, 
that he is filled with wonder at all of this. You notice that in verse 6 of the psalm, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. It's as though David says, I cannot fathom this. I cannot fathom that this great God knows and sees and does all these things for me personally, for me, for me. What a marvelous thing. And it is, beloved, with that same sense of wonder that David speaks in our text concerning the thoughts of God. He is amazed concerning God's thoughts. And he stands in wonder of the fact that God has thought concerning himself personally. That leads to his confession in our text, how precious are the thoughts of my God. How precious. May that be our confession too, and may that be true for us as well, that we consider God's thoughts to be precious. Consider then the precious thoughts of God. And notice three things concerning that, what God's thoughts are, why they are precious, and our confession of this. One of the striking things about this text, beloved, is that David says that God's thoughts are precious to him. That God's thoughts are of very high value to him. Now David certainly had many other things that he might consider to be precious and valuable to him. He could consider his kingdom to be very valuable to him, the kingdom of Israel over which he ruled as king. He might consider his victories over the enemies of God's church to be valuable, valuable and precious to him. He might even consider his riches and his possessions to be very valuable to him, or his family and his children to be very valuable to him. And he could have said concerning any one of those things, or even about all of those things, those are the things that are precious to me. Those are the things that I count to be of a very high value to me. He could have said that. But David doesn't say that. Instead, he says this, as I consider my whole life, and as I consider all the things that I have, all the things that I could enjoy, all the things that are part of my life, all the things that are earthly things in my life, I do not consider something earthly to be precious to me, but this is what I consider precious to me, the thoughts 
of my God. That's what's valuable. And that's what's dear to my heart. God's thoughts. And that raises the question, of course, what are the thoughts of God? What is David speaking about here? And obviously, God's thoughts are the things that God is thinking, the things that are in the mind of God. And that could refer to the fact that God is thinking about David now and that God is thinking about us right now. God certainly is. As Psalm 115 verse 12 says, the Lord hath been mindful of us. God is thinking about us right now. And God's thinking about us is divine thinking. That is, it is not just a fleeting thought that God has of you and me, but it is constant thinking. We are always on God's mind and that is certainly a very precious and a very valuable and a very wonderful thing for the child of God. What a remarkable thing. God never forgets his people. We are never out of his mind, not for a single moment. And remarkable that God, the sovereign God of heaven and earth, who is busy working, ruling the universe and everything that is in it, has the time to be thinking of you and of me. That's remarkable. And not only is that remarkable, but that's also very humbling. Why does God bother to think about us? What is man that thou art mindful of him? That would be and that is for the child of God a very precious thing. But when David speaks here in our text about the thoughts of God, that's not what David is referring to. He is not referring to God thinking about us in time. He is not referring to the fact that God is thinking about us now. He's not referring to the fact that we are always on God's mind as his precious people. But instead, David, when he speaks of God's thoughts here, is referring to God's eternal thoughts. That is... He is referring to God's counsel, God's eternal will. That counsel of God, as you know, is given many different names in the word of God. The counsel of God is referred to as his will, referred to in scripture as his purposes, referred to as his decrees, referred to in the word of God as God's good pleasure, but also as God's 
thoughts. That's another name that the scripture gives to the counsel and will of God. Not very often. In fact, in addition to the reference in the psalm that is before us, there are only two other places where God's counsel is referred to as his thoughts. One of them is Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And those thoughts there are reference to God's counsel. The other reference is in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Again, you can substitute the word thoughts there for counsel or will of God. And that's what is precious to David. And that's what is precious to the believer, God's eternal, unchanging thoughts, God's eternal counsel. And we ought to appreciate, beloved, that this is a beautiful name for the counsel of God. It's a beautiful name for the counsel of God because of what this name teaches us about and reveals to us about God's counsel. The first thing that this name reveals to us about God's counsel is that God's plans as thoughts now are carefully worked out by God. God has decided everything and there is nothing that God has decided that God has not first thought about and thought about carefully. God did not suddenly create the world without first carefully thinking it all through. God did not make a quick decision about man's fall into sin and then follow that up with a quick decision about Christ to save his people from sin. That was carefully thought through by God from all eternity. That's what the word thoughts sets before us here. And so likewise as we think of that in our own lives, God did not make some hasty last-minute plan concerning you and concerning your life, but God thought it all through. He gave thought to his plans. He made a carefully thought-out plan. So it would be a plan that would work. So it would be a plan that did not need to be changed by him. So it would be a plan that could not and would not fail as God carried out his plan. He carefully thought through everything so that there would be nothing that would come up as he carried out his plan that was 
unexpected by him, that was accidental to him, or that was a surprise to him. A plan that fits together and a plan that works perfectly because God thought about everything. And then secondly, the name thoughts shows us that God's counsel, God's plans, God's purposes, God's will is important to God. You might think of it this way and understand it this way, beloved, by comparing it to the fact that each one of us in life at times has many thoughts about a certain person. We think about that person a lot maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a family member or some other friend. Why do we think so much about that person? Why is that person always on your mind? Why does that person occupy your thoughts so much? And why do you even have, as the text mentions concerning God's thoughts, why do you have so many thoughts about them? Well, that's because that person is very important to you. You love that person. That person is precious to you. And it's impossible for you not to think about him or her. And that's true of God with regard to his counsel. His eternal thoughts are very important to him. The name thoughts brings that out. And these thoughts are important to God because they are first of all God's thoughts about himself. What is it that is at the very center and heart of the counsel of God? It is that God will glorify himself through all things. The purpose of God to honor and glorify and praise his own name. That's very important to God. But then also this counsel is very important to God. These thoughts are very important to God. Because these are God's thoughts concerning his son, the Lord Jesus Christ who is central in all of the counsel and will and plans of God. The work of Christ, the sending of Christ, the saving of the church through Christ, the glorifying of the church as the body of Christ and the sending of Christ at the end of the ages to make that happen. That's important to God. And why, thirdly, is it important to God? Because God's counsel are, or is God's thoughts concerning his people. His thoughts concerning the elect. His thoughts concerning you and me. 
as those whom he has chosen and as those whom he has purposed to redeem unto himself through Christ his Son. This is all very important to God. God is not distant or disinterested with regard to his will, his counsel, his plan, his thoughts. God is not a God who says regarding what happens in this world that, well, whatever happens is fine. It doesn't really matter to me what happens. I'll make things turn out okay through whatever happens. No, God's eternal will as he has planned everything in time and history and to all eternity is very important to him. And it's important to him that what happens in time and history is exactly as God has willed for God's glory and for the honor of Christ and for the salvation of the church. So we, who are his chosen people, and around whom everything revolves in history and in time, are very important to God as well. And with all of those things in mind, concerning God's counsel, concerning God's eternal thoughts, David says, that's what's precious to me. My chief treasure is not my life, not my health, not my earthly happiness, not my possessions, not even my family. But most precious to me are the thoughts of my God. His plan, his purpose, his eternal will. That may strike us as a little unusual, but only because this is true. How often do we think of God's counsel, of God's will, as being precious to us. But it was to David, and it should be to us as well. So that we say concerning the will of God, even as God's will unfolds in our lives, how precious, how valuable to me is the will and counsel, the eternal thoughts of God. God's plan is dear to my heart. But why is that? That is, why are God's thoughts precious to the believing child of God? We certainly could mention many different reasons why we could and should consider God's counsel, God's will to be precious. 
It is valuable to us because it is a sovereign will. This is God's plan for us, not man's plan, not our plan. A sovereign will that is guaranteed to work. That makes it precious. It is precious to us because God's counsel has unity. There is one purpose of God in everything. The salvation and the glorification of his church for the glory of his name. God's counsel is precious to us because his will is wise. A perfect plan, no mistakes, all things working for our good. That makes it precious. God's counsel is precious also because it is an eternal counsel. A plan that is fixed, a plan that never changes because there is no need for God to change his will. And any of those could be the reason, and even all of them together, could be the reason why God's counsel is precious to the child of God. But notice what the text mentions as the reason why God's counsel is precious. Why is it precious? Because great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Precious to David are the thoughts of God because, first of all, they are thoughts concerning him personally. Precious to me, he says, because these are God's thoughts about me. And that's clear from the whole psalm. These are very personal thoughts, that is, plans that God has. He indicates that in the context and even speaks of some of the details in God's plan. So detailed is God's plan that God's plan includes his whole life, his sitting and his rising, the paths before him, his lying down, the words that come out of his mouth, his development in his mother's womb and his birth into this world. And all of that is personal. God isn't simply making plans just in general for his people, but his will is specific and eternally plan, an eternal plan in which he specifically thought of and decided every detail of the personal life of every child of God. And that's because it is the plan of Jehovah God, our covenant God and our Savior, the God who loves us in Jesus Christ, his Son, purposes to save us in his Son, has saved us, and is very interested in each of us personally. And so he says to each of us, I was thinking of you personally, and I was thinking of you specifically, when in eternity I made all my plans. 
That makes God's thoughts precious because they are personal, personal. It does lead the believer to say when we come to terms with that and come to realize that, we are led to say, why? Why? That is, why does God bother with the life of a small, insignificant creature of the dust like me? And why, when I am a sinner, and I have sinned against him, I deserve to be ignored by God. I deserve to be destroyed by God. What is man that God is mindful of him? What am I that God is mindful of me and always from all eternity has been? God who is infinitely above us has thought of each of us personally from all eternity. How precious are the thoughts of God. But then secondly, and that has the emphasis here, the thoughts of God are precious because there are so many of them How great is the sum of them? I cannot even count them. More in number than the grains of sand. That's something that is mentioned also in an earlier psalm, Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us would. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. You children here, have you ever tried to count grains of sand? Have you ever tried to count just one handful of grains of sand, children? Or just one cup of sand? Impossible. And the text says to us that God's thoughts concerning you personally, one person, are more in number than that. They cannot be counted. And that's because the counsel of God, the plan of God, the eternal thoughts of God are all comprehensive. Everything is included by God. As the psalm itself points out in verses 2 through 4, every event in our lives, every detail in our lives, and everything that happens in the world, and everything that happens around us in the world, and everything that happens in our personal lives is part of God's plan. 
You cannot even begin to count it all. All of the great things in your life are part of that plan. Your birth, your marriage, your family, your church membership, and all of the small things in your life. As Christ said, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Numbered, mind you, from all eternity by God in his counsel. And every movement that we make and every trouble that we have, every small sickness that might come our way, every germ that enters our body, all of our likes and all of our dislikes in life, that's all part of God's counsel. And all the good things, the fact that you are alive and you are breathing and that you have a heartbeat, that you have work, that you have friends, that you have family, that there are pleasures to enjoy in this life. That's all part of God's all-comprehensive counsel. But also, all suffering. Failures and sickness and aging and dying and death itself and sin and every trouble, innumerable thoughts, because God has planned every detail and God's plan covers absolutely everything. And there is, beloved, one thought, one thought of God one plan of God that stands out amongst all of the innumerable plans and thoughts that God has made. And that is this thought of God, this eternal thought of God. I have planned your salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ my son. That is central to all of my thoughts concerning you, all of my plans. That is the controlling purpose, and that is the controlling plan I have for you, for you in this life. And not one of my other thoughts, not one of my other plans for you is unrelated to that. But every other plan and every other thought is for that purpose, your salvation in Jesus Christ. And all of those thoughts of God with his saving purpose at the very center of it all makes God's thoughts precious. So that the believer says, there's nothing in my life that God did not plan. There is nothing that is unexpected or an accident. 
Everything I have faced and everything I do face and everything that I will face in my life is part of God's eternal thoughts and plan for my life. How precious are God's thoughts to me. Because God has thought about everything. This was, as you know, David's personal confession. And it is, by the grace of God, the confession of every believer. But we know it's not always so easy to make this confession. Because God's thoughts, God's plans, God's purposes are not always easy for us. The hand of God is often heavy. The hand of God makes us struggle. And we are greatly troubled. And we weep. We weep on account of our personal struggles. And we weep on account of the struggles that we observe and know of in the lives of loved ones and of others in the church. And we become discouraged and disheartened. And often the wish that we have is that we could understand better the thoughts, the will, the purposes of God. That we could see more of God's perfect plan beyond what God has revealed and shown to us. Then we believe we could make more sense of what God is doing and why he is doing it and why it is necessary for us and for our salvation. We sometimes say, if only I could see how this is going to be for my eternal good, then I could easily or more easily submit to the will of God. But God teaches us, beloved, and the Holy Spirit has shown us in life from life's experiences that we're not going to know why always. He has also shown us that we don't need to fathom God's thoughts and ways. We don't need to know why. God says to us, and he says to us, says that to us by means of his word in our text. Isn't it enough that everything is included and has been included by me in my eternal thoughts and plans and purposes and counsel 
for you? Isn't it enough that my chief and central thought for you is to save and bring you to glory? And isn't it enough that I, the almighty God, am carrying out my counsel through Christ? I, the God who knows what I am doing and why I am doing it? Isn't that enough? And by faith, that's the only way. Faith is God's gift, worked in us by the Spirit. By faith, the believer says, yes, that's enough. It's enough that God has eternally constructed a plan, an elaborate plan, for my salvation. Choosing me in Christ planning everything in my life to revolve around that purpose of God and sending and not sparing his own son for me, for me. And it's enough that God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And it's enough that God is carrying out his perfect plan because that guarantees that I will join him in glory one day with all the saints. I am being guided by his counsel in order afterward to be received into glory. By faith we confess that's enough. We live by faith and not by sight. And so may we always, beloved in life, come back again and again to God himself and to God's eternal thoughts, his perfect plan. Not only that he made a plan, but also that he is carrying it out and that we are always in his arms. May the Lord by his spirit then give us confidence and comfort and peace in our souls. Amen. O God and our Father, we thank Thee. We thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for Christ, to whom we belong. We thank Thee that Thou hast eternally determined all things for our salvation in Him. And we thank Thee for the gift of faith to embrace Thy truth and to live according to it with confident trust in thee. Bless and comfort our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.